Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about words and how they matter to women. Really matter. They really matter. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Kirsten Barron. And I'm Karina Hoyer. And we are so glad that you have joined us on this beautiful day, wherever you are. We happen to be on the land of the Lummi and Nooksack people. It's gorgeous. Welcome. We're here to talk about women and work and ease and meaning and joy. We're going to get us some. That's what we want. And this is, I think, a really big deal gendered languages. Yeah, it's really been interesting as always to start with an idea and then start and then do the reading and research and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and and kind of get it I'm ex- really excited to talk about what, what have I said talk our about words. like 50 yeah our, our words, words which is what we use all the time. Yeah. But before we go there, I want to talk about something that you said to me earlier this week. Yeah. You were talking about how we have people in our lives who do things that make us crazy. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be anything Mm -hmm. from drinking too much Mm -hmm. or, you know, being messy or not cleaning up after themselves or being in relationships that are not great for them or all of the things that we can do that are negative, bad, get in the way of our ease, meaning, and joy. Mm-hmm. And you, and I've always thought about these things in terms of like control, like, oh, I don't have any control over that. I don't have any control over that. I have to just, you know, I have to control myself. But you used two words that I had not heard before, which I really love. Mm-hmm. And I want to share with our friends. Let them. Mm-hmm. Let them. So as we're talking about words, I'm so struck by that. Like, let them. Yeah. Like we can't control often, you know, what other people, other people. Are, are doing just ourselves. Yeah. It's, it, it, it really is interesting. It's, it is, it has shifted my perspective. Those mm-hmm. two words have shifted my perspective on so, in so many situations when that person is not, when I don't get invited to the after work drink, that's fine. Let them. Mm-hmm. When, when somebody behaves in a way that I don't, appreciate or doesn't want to join me in something, Mm -hmm. let them. Because when you do, or when I have put that into practice, it just releases me from that expectation that I'm somehow going to change or modify or that behavior. I'm going to let you do you. And then I'm going to do me. And that doesn't mean you're disinterested or you don't care. Uh -uh. Like let them doesn't mean that you don't say, you know, hey, you know, I've, I've just noticed that the last three times we've gone out for drinks, you blacked out. And I just want to check in about that. <laughs> well, yeah. Right. That doesn't mean that you don't, you know, engage. But there is a point at which it's like, oh, just let them. Just let them. Let them be there. They're on their own path, have their own journey without us trying to like. So anyway, I wanted to start that because I know we're talking about words. Yeah. Words matter. Words matter. And I just love those two words. Let them. It just conveys this whole big thing about how you live in the world with other humans. Yeah. And it releases us from the expectation that we're controlling or changing them. (laughs) And I'm just laughing because that is my thing. Control and change. I'm like, please, would they just do this? No, I, are you kidding me? I've been fighting this my whole life. And so that's why it's so powerful. It's just like, no, let them. 
Let them. Let them. Mm-hmm. Let them, Kirsten. Take a deep breath. And, and then them. do you. You yeah. do you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. I'm glad that that struck you oh, as much as it struck me. Oh, I just love it. Me. I've been thinking about it. Like, I just love it. So thank you. No, thank you, Kirsten. Okay. So back to, <laughs> back to gendered, gendered language, language. Yeah. women and work. Yeah. Oh, this is a big one. You know, I have to tell our listener the, um, the reason there's two reasons why we're doing this show and oddly enough, but also serendipitously Kirsten and I came to this, um, topic topic from two completely different angles and about at the same time. So for me, I read an article recently about how AI is gendered. (laughs) And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? How is that possible that AI is gendered? How is that possible? Except for, of course it is, because it's built by, it's reflecting a system that's gendered. Mm -hmm. But I also read this fabulous quote, and I wish I could find it again to credit the source. But this person said, look, AI, all the data for AI is coming from like 20-somethings men. 20-something men. And, And she said, Imagine it's it's like every single baby in the world being raised <laughs> by a 20 year old man. That's the system that we're building. Of course, it's gender. Of course, it's not, you know, it's fascinating. It's, yeah, isn't it? right. And I started reading more and more. And little did I know that this is gendered language is something that's obviously you know, that has been studied a fair bit. You. I was on a very, very special trip to Italy with my husband, a big celebration. And when I was there, I was kind of working on, you know, Italian. And I did some Italian before I left. And I was like, what is with this? It's so weird that apple is feminine and bread is masculine. Why Mm -hmm. is that? Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about French, the same thing. There's just these words that are masculine and feminine. I'm always like, who decided that? And isn't that weird? Because, you know, English is not a gendered language. Yeah. Yeah. However, in reading about this, it's gender coded. And so we're going to spend a fair bit of time on gender coded language because that is the language we speak. But we do want to dip our toes into gendered language as well, because it's interesting and what's fun and impactful. And I think that's the other piece of this. Of course, I knew that, you know, when you when somebody uses the word girl as an insult, that's that. I mean, this all starts with the girls at the front. Right. The girls in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, ooh. yeah, the girls in the in the rece- yes. the girls up at reception or whatever. So I, I'm attuned to language for sure. But I didn't realize that in reading, um, doing the research for the show or doing the reading for the show. And I didn't realize how much research there is about how that impacts people now. So the actual impact on wages and promotions and participation. Yes. So there is good research out there on those three issues. Yeah. We have not, just to be full disclosure. Yep. We have not dug into race and other aspects of identity, sexuality, non-binary gender. There, there's not a lot of information out there about it. Yep. Um, we're, <laughs> we consider ourselves a subject matter expert on women <laughs> at work. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, sort of. Yeah. But certainly not on the others. Yeah. So we are, my own belief is that that those people are far more impacted. But I think this conversation about women mm-hmm. 
is informative to the sense of, well, if it's this for women, then what is it for these other people? Right. And I do think that what we're really talking about primarily here is white women. I think we are, because I don't think we have any, there's nothing in the data set that says there's anything else. Right. So I want to just make that disclosure as we talk about this. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't even think about that. I do. I do. And I still think it's valuable. (laughs) So, okay. Is that enough disclosure on what we're talking about? I think so. Okay, great. Have we prepared you enough? Can we move on, listener? Okay, friends, let's go into, I mean, really, we all know how this pans out in this broad brush sort of a way. Mm-hmm. We talked about in the beginning, the girls out front, yeah, right? Yeah, which is funny. So I could t- can I tell a story yes, about tell that? tell a story about the girls out front. There's a, I actually have a client who frequently refers to the, to the women who are working the phones as girls. And um, I was talking to one of the guys and the men who were who frequently uses this term. And I said, nobody refers to you guys as boys. Boy is a derogatory term. Or at least it implies somebody who's young and experienced. Yeah. um, Not fully developed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we would never call men boys, professional men boys. So why do we call professional women? Girls. And that was the first time I think he had ever really seen why we don't want to use the term girl. Isn't that funny? You have a different strategy than I do. I also say something when my clients talk about the girls up front. And I wait till the end of the conversation and I say, so earlier in our conversation, you used the word girls out front. Yeah. And what I just want to say is that term. I know you really respect those women. I know that you really value them and you know how important their work is. So that's not what this is about. Because I think most of the time it's true for my clients. I said, but when we use terms like girls, we set ourselves up for a sexual harassment lawsuit. Oh, okay. That's a good legal way to not use it. I just say, we just don't like, and I even say to clients, you know, I've had to change my language and my contracts and my handbooks. Mm. We all need to be aware of how this, of how language works. And so I'm in the same boat as you are. I just don't want to give anybody any fodder, any, you know, um, what's what I'm looking for? Fuel, no fuel for the fire. So let's just get rid of that language. Yeah. So I use the lawsuit and just say, I know this isn't your intent. And yeah, not me. I just do the smackdown. <laughs> not a smack down. <laughs> Listen, boy, don't call me a girl. I think the other interesting thing in reading about this before we kind of get into gendered language is how feminine forms have degraded been uh, been degraded over time. I didn't realize this, but uh, there were there were historically kind of male and female words for the same thing. Like mm-hmm. a person who is um home like owns a home is a master your master and mistress or master and mistress mm-hmm. um host and hostess same thing but we allow certain forms to be degraded mistress has now taken on a completely right different right. meaning somebody and, is having an affair with a married man yeah, and master as opposed to a woman who owns a, home. It, owns a home or maybe lives in a home with a man who owns a home i don't know yeah exactly and there's a lot of really interesting just listen in language, listen in conversation for those feminine words that are now somehow less than. Demeaning. Demeaning. Less, yeah. It's really wild. It's very interesting. Also, feminine words are frequently an insult to everyone. 
or certainly to women. I remember my sister told me I, when I actually horribly uh, was making fun of my sister because that's what <laughs> sisters do. And I was like, oh, my God, you throw like a girl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she looked at me and she said, good, because I am a girl. This was like in our teenage years. Tawny. I will never forget that. Yeah. She still throws really poorly. But I'm not going to say she throws like a girl anymore. Because I was watching the women's softball tournament recently. Those, gir- those, those girls can, you know, throw some, you know what. Yeah. And so we just called them girls. So does oh that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well. Okay. okay so this is, and you just said you weren't really willing I'm to give up girls. I'm not fully resolved on giving up girls. I feel like it's only a term I can use or women can use. I don't feel like men can use it. Uh-huh. But I do like, you know, Beyonce says girls rule the world. I'm kind of reluctant to say no, Beyonce. You can't do that. Okay. There is something about girls that I do honestly, I just am unresolved about. Okay. And maybe I'll change my mind. I'm a person in progress. Okay. I'm going to read something to you and our listeners, though. Okay. Because I found this to be quite powerful. And this is from a, uh, an article in The Atlantic called I Am Gal, Hear Me Roar. And she says... By the way, I do love gals. I know, right? So I she's love gals. Trying to make the, she's trying to make the case that we need to take back the word gal. That gal is the equivalent of guy. In our should be the equivalent of guy in our language. We don't have anything other than gal or girls. And girls, she says, are children. Mm-hmm. Girls are dependents. Mm-hmm. Girls can't make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, she I says... Know. Um, and the women, um, it, she said, and that's, it's a lot, a lot is in a name. Although we don't mean to hurt each other, the word girl diminishes our maturity, our responsibility and our power. Yes. And that is the reason I, you want to get away from girl, but it's interesting because we could also retake it. Like you said, if women say, Oh yeah, those girls throw they're amazing that feminine They can rip it. They can rip. It. Yeah, I don't know. I I I kind of tend to agree with this author on um, the I do have some I do I will tell you. I I think I am in progress. I mean, I am in process around this. I don't know where I'm going to end up, but I do find that I am when I'm with a bunch of professional women and somebody uses the word girls, mm-hmm. I do feel like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I do. I feel like there's a bunch of professional women sitting around a table and someone says, you girls. And I do feel like that's kind of, I don't feel offended. I just feel like it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I do too. <laughs> in, in fact, that same author says, you know, in real life among people I know and respect, female colleagues are girls from work. The women with whom we studied for advanced degrees are the girls from school. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And these are the overt uses of language, right? The diminishing of the feminine, you know, for, to mistress, the using the word girl as an insult or using overt language to just sort of keep women in their place. That's, that's, that's the obvious stuff. Mm-hmm. What's really interesting about the, the this um, topic is so much of gendered languages, like you said, it, Italian, and gender-coded languages like English is behind, underneath. You don't even know you're doing it, and yet the impacts are really profound. It's, yes, and of course what we care about is the impacts on women at work, yes. and it impacts participation. It impacts how we attract candidates yeah. to jobs. It impacts how how long people stay and whether they advance and get more money. Yes. So just to be clear, language impacts 
all of those those four things. Yes. Right? Yes. Money, promotion, retention, and participation. Yeah. And so there's been a, a lot of research about... Might be five with attracting candidates. I'm going to say five. Just I'm just going to say it's probably a hundred. Because I'm good at math. There's <laughs> There are so many impacts. And again, this is in addition to the overt stuff that we just talked about. So gendered languages, let's just kind of do this quickly, like Italian and French. And so many of our listeners are not in the United States. I believe many of our listeners have English as one of their languages. Mm -hmm. We wanted to touch on gendered languages, German, French, Italian, etc. In a recent study that was done by a World 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 Bank Bank Economist. Yep, Owen Ozer. With another woman, um, Pamela Jaquila, Jaquila, Jaquila. And she's from the Center for Global Development. And so, yep, those two did a study of over 4,000 world languages. Yeah. They think they have 99% of what people in the world speak. Yeah, 99% of the world's population's Mm -hmm. languages they took Mm -hmm. a look at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, well, you go. You you keep going. I interrupted you. No, it's totally fine. No, I, I know. Are you kidding me? You didn't interrupt me. I've been I've been talking for the last four <laughs> hours here. And the other, I think, piece of background information for this study is that forty percent of the world's population speaks a gendered language. Yeah, yeah. And so, what they looked at was how are women viewed or participating in the workplace. Yep. If they speak a gendered language. Yeah. And grammatical gender is associated with a nearly 15 percentage point gap in female labor force participation um, relative to men. So if you speak a gendered language as opposed to a non-gendered language, yeah. you are fift- there are 15% less women participating in the workplace. Yeah. And they, it's a, so they take, the workforce. So they extrapolate that out and mm-hmm. say that's basically about 125 million women worldwide out Are of the workforce. not work, in the workforce. Specifically because the language that they speak is gendered. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is... Like, come on. I was thinking about this. This is how we got to this. When you were talking about AI, yeah. I was in Italy and I was like, why, you know, why is the apple feminine and the bread masculine? Who decided that and why? And isn't that weird? And yeah. why do I have to remember? Yeah. And it's not just, I think, because I don't know the language. I did when I, I studied French when I was in high school because you had to speak a language. Yeah. And it was the same thing. I was like, why is that? Right. So it was, it's one of the things I think because I'm new to the language, it makes my brain hiccup, Mm -hmm. but I can see if you're not new to the language, you just accept it. And what does that actually mean in your life? Well, we know that it means you're less likely to participate in the workforce. And and why? Because language impacts attitude. Mm -hmm. Language influences how you think about things and how you, what you value and how you view it. We've talked about this in other podcasts, but it's like that unconscious nudge all the time. Remember Jer? Yeah, Clifton. Yeah, Jer Clifton, who talks about how our beliefs really move our brain. Mm -hmm. I think it's the same thing with language. These are are little tiny nudges all the time Mm -hmm. that are giving us information and data, which then our brain is processing and become part of our reactions. Right. 
And we associate, I read somewhere else that, I don't know if it was, was it, is it French? Like house is a, is feminine. Yes. So does that in a gender coded, in a gendered language, do we just then associate home with women and books with men? Yeah. Because in French book is masculine. Right. So, and I think the answer is yes, this is the reason behind these outcomes. And Sorry, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Another thing that Osher and JK, are you laughing? I am chuckling. I'm just trying. I'm like, we got to keep, it's we got to ex- keep it rolling. We got to keep it. And it's also exciting. Like it's exciting to learn something that could possibly change an outcome that is unsatisfactory, which is the differences between men and women's experience and participation at work. I mean, yeah. this is exciting when we come onto something where we're like, oh my gosh, this is one of the things that matters. Yeah, yeah. Because most of the time, what we talk about doesn't matter. <laughs> no. You know what I mean. I know what you mean. Okay, because I want to get to gender-coded language because yes. that's the stuff we speak. But I want to say one other thing. In this study that uh, Osher and Jaquila did, they found that those who speak gendered languages are more likely to agree with statements like, like this one. Um, men make better business executives than women do. Or men sh- when jobs are scarce, men should have more right to a job than w- women. So they, they tested statements like that. And in gendered languages, those the, folks are more likely to, to believe those statements. Yes. And men and women both mm-hmm. are more likely. So it impacts how we're we- we're all living in the soup. Right. We're so it all impact- marinated in the same sauce. Exactly. So it impacts how we think about ourselves and these mm-hmm. things as well. By the way, I have to say, before we move on to English and its gender codedness, as opposed to being, you know, a gendered language, um, I just want to say that one statistic really tells me that it matters, Mm -hmm. right? Language matters because it is influencing people's beliefs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. On we go. On we go. To now English. Right. Which most of our audience speaks, we yeah. believe. Yes. And at least you understand it. Or you find our <laughs> voices just sing sing songy and and yeah, fun. No. no, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh so English, gender coded. And when we talk about gender coding, we can think about things like using words like chairman mm. versus chair. Chair. Or fisherman or whatever, like whatever. Also, there's the counter to that, like women's soccer. Why, why do we say women's soccer when men's soccer is just soccer? Mm-hmm. So it's just the way we, it's words that have just been formed in our language that we all think are natural, that just kind of flow off the tongue, but um, in fact imply male or female. And words, the same thing, words that are associated with male or associated with female. And those words are influencing who we hire, who we attract, who we retain, yeah. who we promote, who we give pay increases to. Yeah. And then who is not getting all of those things. Yeah. Right. Can I talk a little bit about this agentic communal spectrum? Yes, because it sounds super smart. <laughs> Uh, gender researchers often discuss the difference between two different types of language, agentic 
and communal languages and behaviors. And we're going to reference these for the next couple of minutes. So I just want to make sure our listeners understand what they are. To be agentic is to really be confident and agent. Think of the root word there, which is agent. Yeah. Which is, um, yeah, competency, self-possession, self-direction, decisive, power, yes. all of those things. Agent, agentic. Communal is to be warm and helpful. And these are not gendered necessarily, but we and in the United States and in many countries, including really seemingly progressive ones, men are still perceived as more agentic and women continue to be viewed as more communal. No surprise. No surprise. No surprise. No surprise. So again, in our gendered language, agentic qualities frequently applied to men um, and communal applied to women. And the first and one of those places that researchers have been looking at agentic and communal languages are in job announcements and descriptions, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And th- and this is so it this was so interesting to me because I never in a million years thought how a job description is written or a job announcement is written. Um, what what the subversive language, what the language is, okay. Clearly, I'm so struck by it, I cannot complete a sentence. <laughs> anyway, I was just very surprised by how the way that how the words that we use in a job announcement are going to attract a man versus a woman. Yeah, attract or not. Attract or not. Yeah, a yeah. man or a woman. Well, do you want to talk about this study? So are you talking about the Aaron Olford study? Yeah. Okay, so Aaron Oldford, assistant professor of finance at Memorial University in Newfoundland, did a study with her colleague, John Fissett, who's at St. Mary's University in Canada. And they were, okay, so let me just talk first about Oldford. Yeah. So she has this, um, this uh, I don't know if it's a like a club. It's a, that, yeah, student managed it's a, investment fund. It's a, like a, yes, like a student managed investment fund, but she's trying, it's like a kind of a club. She wants to attract students, have experience managing an investment fund, blah, blah, blah. And she realized that only 10% of the applicants to this role yeah. were women. Yeah. And she was like, what am I doing? What's going on? She was talking to a colleague of hers who was a managing director of, a fi- of an investment company who said, hey, I'm having a similar issue. Like I can't seem to attract women. And so Oldford has kind of dug into this topic of what kind of language are we using in our job postings yeah. that may deter women from applying. Now, she has changed for this investment fund, the student-run investment fund. She's changed all of her language on the website, the job application portal, the marketing materials. She's got a social media campaign to showcase female role models in these um with regard to this investment, student-led investment fund. Yeah. And while it's too early to tell, she feels like she's making progress. But this experience led her to that research with her colleague, John Fisett. Yeah. And they do have some data. Yeah. And they, 
They looked at finance internship postings. Yes. Kind of similar. Yeah. And they found, again, they, well, they just found the same thing. That that because they believe, because of the language that was being used to promote these opportunities, they were seeing primarily men apply. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it is because the postings used a lot of agentic language and not communal language so there was an example two examples they used in a um their paper uh, from actual job posts one is we'll support you with the tools and resources you need to reach your new milestones as you help our customers reach theirs and that is communal language yeah right we will help you we will provide you know we're going to help our customers get to the where they want to get yes And then the more agentic was, tell us your story, don't go unnoticed, explain why you're a winning candidate. And so they're kind of two different ways to to talk about the same kind of work. And what they found, what Olford and Feiss found, was that if you use the more communal language, which I think this is pretty intuitive, but the data supports it, Mm -hmm. is that women feel like they're a better fit and they will apply. If you use the the agentic language, don't go unnoticed. Tell us your story. Why are you going to win? Yeah. Right. Women don't feel as much as if they're going to fit in. Right. Which this is also kind. this is kind of interesting to me because I don't think it's because women somehow naturally tend toward communal language. I think we're trained yes. to believe that. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely. That is absolutely the assumed, the assumption, the thing. Like, yes, this is, all, and this starts really, really early, right? So it's like we come to this yeah. with all of these biases built in. Yes. We read a job description as a woman and realize, oh, that's just like some meat eating, whatever, you know, and not all of us are attracted to that. Some of us are. Right. But not all of us. And, and we're coming to a job description with being told our whole lives, here's where your value is. And yes. it's in this more communal. Mm-hmm. It's in being kind. And we'll be able to discuss in a, a minute here that's, you know, even professionally, that's what we're evaluated on. That's where we, we are told our value is in our, uh, com- our, our helpfulness, our kindness, yes. our ability to support, yes. our ability to communicate, our ability to collaborate, cooperate, right? Those are those. And we're going to see that quite a bit in the next topic on evaluations. Yeah. And so that's the filter. So we're coming at these job descriptions with that filter and then self-selecting the la- the ones that have more communal language. Yeah, I find it, this this gender decoder was really interesting because it was inspired by this woman, Kat Matfield. And she um, wanted to be, get, be able to give people a tool to essentially uh, scrub their um, job announcements and call out if it was gender, gender coded. If, yeah, if it was gender coded for male or female. And it's um, called the gender decoder. We'll put it in our show notes. But essentially, you just cut and paste a job description in it and hit search, and it'll tell you if it's coded for one or the other. But she also goes on to, to describe all of these masculine coded words versus feminine coded words. And again, this is based on research. And so a couple of male ones are courageous, decisive, dominant, um, leader, 
superior, self-sufficient and feminine coded words are compassion, dependable, um, gentle, loyal. So, so this, does this, does this decoder just like run through that language yeah. and say, highlight them and say, yeah. you know, how does this have, what does this have to do with your, with the job? Yeah. No, it doesn't do that. It just runs it through and says, if you're putting this, this job, this job description is biased towards men. You will attract more men than women. Or biased this job, towards women. Or biased towards women. Interesting. And so I have a client who's actually just promoting a job and I ran it through here and I sent her the link and she said, and it was coded towards men and it was a, it's a, it's a policy and science and advocacy um, position. position. And she said, shit, I actually want to attract more women. And she changed it. I'm really curious to hear what the results, what the results are. But I am also a little bit pissed off at the feminine coded words. I mean, that what do was, you mean? Well, uh, uh, gentle, honest, kind, pleasant, nurturing, trustworthy. I mean, I get it. Those are all fine. I want to be all of those things. But honest to God. Why are they? Why are they just associated with women? You got to go to this website and look at this list. Okay, there's no kick-ass, data-driven, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. leadership, which is fundamentally what we're talking about. Right. What that pissed-offness you're feeling? Yeah, that is exactly what we're talking about. Which is words matter. How are we using them, and about whom? Exactly. Right. Yes. Exactly. Okay. So, and all of this supports what, what, um, Oldford and Feisett said, which is of course, finance world, you're getting all these men because all of your stuff is completely rife with male, agentic, aggressive, competitive language. Yes. And I'm going to go back to that thing again. And the story that we're telling women is that's not you. That's not you. Mm -hmm. Which is, which is also why again so language matters now that we've done postings let's talk about performance reviews which yeah. i think is like where the rubber hits the road a little bit yeah right because this is how people get promoted and this is how people get raises is yeah. by job evaluations there is a study relatively recent 2018 okay of it's over 4000 participants 81000 evaluations yeah. so many many years of evaluations yeah. this is from the military which makes sense and the researchers are from the John, Johns Hopkins University Carey School of Business okay um, there's an article in the Harvard Business Review by David Smith Judith Rosenstein um, I love how you just cite everything. Margaret Nikolov. I want to cite these people because they deserve it. Yeah. And I'm going to put it in the show notes. But what they found, and this is very disturbing, listeners, friends, it's very disturbing. Brace yourself. Brace yourself. They looked at the positive, the words used to describe positive performance versus negative performance yeah. in men and women. And when you look at this list, there are like... 12 positive things to describe men, Mm -hmm. the most used words, two negative words to describe men. For women, there are four positive words to describe men, women, and like 13 negative words. So I read the article and they say in terms of sheer numbers of attributes, Mm -hmm. we found no gender difference in the number of positive attributes assigned. Oh, there is a difference. But women were assigned significantly more negative yes. attributes. Yes. Okay. 
Okay. So when you talk about the positive words, the most used words for women are compassionate, enthusiastic, energetic, and organized. Okay. Okay. When you talk about the negative words, inept, selfish, Mm -hmm. frivolous, passive, scattered, opportunistic, Hmm. that struggle, that caused me some heartburn. Yeah. Gossip, excitable, also. Uh Uh-huh. Vain, uh-huh. that made me nuts. Yeah. That vain is a negative, that is a, that a word. I mean, Which is confident. Panicky, it, it, yeah. temperamental, and indecisive. Yeah. Okay, so conversely, here are the two, here are the two words, the negative words, the most for men. Arrogant and irresponsible. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And can I just say that being arrogant and irresponsible, I really feel like can have significant impacts to your job. Yeah. Because if you're arrogant, you're not curious. Right. You know, you're not listening to other people. You're not. And if you're irresponsible, that one's obvious. But, you know, honestly, how is being vain? A negative. To your work performance. How is opportunistic how negative? How is opportunistic if being women, negative? Yeah, and this is interesting, too, because in this article, again, Kirsten will post it in the show notes, there's a really great graphic. And so I'm looking at it right I'm now. I'm on the graphic. And, and so let's say a word, to, a positive word to describe men is confident. But for a negative word to describe women is vain. Yeah. And confidence mm-hmm. and vanity are, there's a blurry line between those two. Also things like versatile or the, that's a positive word to, de, uh, to describe, uh, to describe men, men. Mm-hmm. and opportunistic. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. re- and, 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 and this data is, is um, repeated in other studies that really come down to women and men, the words we use to describe them and the, and the way we evaluate their performance is significantly different. And, and women are almost always evaluated on our personalities Mm -hmm. and men are evaluated on their performance. And here's the problem with being evaluated on your personality. Hmm. It, you might get kudos for your personality, but it actually doesn't lead to promotions or raises. No. So you can be, you know, compassionate and a team player and cooperative and kind, yeah. but that is not going to get you anywhere. Yeah. So there was another woman, uh, uh, research by Allison Wynn and colleagues at Stanford Women's Leadership Innovation Lab, and they analyzed the full text of a bunch of performance evaluations as well for an internet services company in Silicon Valley. And um, they, they, just kind of discovered the same thing, but that certain, one of the things that I thought was interesting was that when certain words were being applied to women and men at the same rate, this is what you were just saying, mm-hmm. they were being valued differently mm-hmm. according to gender. So women are, if, if we're being praised, if everyone is being praised for helpful, for being helpful, men get promoted because they're helpful. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem to benefit women. Same with taking charge, being uh, seen as taking charge was really viewed more, way more favorably for men than women. In fact, women are frequently penalized for the very things that men are praised for, which is what that chart shows. Yes. It's really... Being, it's, it's, as opposed to being characterized as confident, being characterized as vain. As Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we don't, you know, this isn't necessarily from the study, but calling back to that original kind of intro we did, that... 
we also use this language. So, so we label women. Mm -hmm. So it's not even just vain. She's just like difficult or snooty or Mm -hmm. bitchy. Mm -hmm. We start to not only make value judgments about their work. We make, we turn like, we make value judgments about who they are as human beings. Because that's about their personality, right? As opposed to their work performance. Exactly. Yeah. So talk a little bit about, I, what did you call it? The brilliance bias? Yeah, there is that one thing. Um, you had talked about the brilliance bias. The the one one of the things that the study that that Wynn also came up with was that um, men were more likely to be described in exceptional terms, like visionary, genius. Visionary was applied to men sixty one percent of the time <laughs> that it was used. Oh my gosh. But genius, the word genius and strong, are almost always and exclusively. For men. For men. Um, There was in this abstract that I read, they called it the gender brilliance stereotype. Yeah. And which I which I in in erroneously referred to as the brilliance bias. But I kind of like that. I kind of like the brilliance bias. I I like I like alliteration. Easier. Yeah. Again, easier. So when you think about the power, when you think about being seeing yourself in a workplace, being ready to go after that job and then doing it. a raise. Yes, exactly. Wanting to To be be recognized for your work. And I'm sorry, I'm putting words in your mouth kind of. No, I love it. That's kind of what we do. Yeah. It's just like all of these things, all the words behind it matter so much into how we get there. Right. To what the outcomes are and how we feel. Mm-hmm. How we feel about the work we do, mm-hmm. how we feel about who we are and what our place is. And being valued. Because we know from all of our other shows why all of this matters. Right. Right. And I, and again, if white women are feeling this, mm-hmm. then when there's an intersection of race or if you're non-binary or if there's you have a disability, it just compounds language, 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 language matters and so if it matters to this degree what if, are we going to do about if, it if data is telling you this it is a thing limits women's participation it keeps us out of jobs promotions from raises jobs, exactly. from staying all the things we talked about in the beginning yeah what to do about it yeah and i think what awareness is one do. awareness, awareness is, is one super important you know i think also being ve- running job description being awareness and, and understanding use that gender decoder that was so interesting to me mm-hmm. to see build your start to start start to recognize that this is indeed an issue and be more specific with your language. With your language. Especially when you are communicating to applicants and to people who hold jobs. Mm-hmm. Like what you say, as we know, really matters. So does it matter that somebody is kind? Does it matter that somebody is, um, uh, what's the word? I'm, what, what are one of the other words, Karina? For women or yeah, men. Yeah, for women. Oh, uh, Thoughtful. Yeah, does what well, do these things really matter? Do you really need somebody? Is competitive really the of the six words you're going to put in the job description? Is competitive really the one you want? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, really being specific about your language. Yeah, yeah. It also, like you said, being thoughtful. 
you yeah. know, just just specific and thoughtful, aware, recognizing that. And I think, honestly, I say this to people a lot and not necessarily about gender, but I'm going to say it here. What you say matters. Recognize that it's not just whatever and it's happening over there. Being thoughtful and aware and realistic that gender and gender bias is there and you and we need to that's why I've like like I said that you know when I was talking about talking to my clients mm-hmm. about gender words mm-hmm. that's why I've taken it I'm taking it out of all of my agreements my documents my policies I'm taking out all of those gender words yeah that's and great. it just feels fresh mm-hmm. right it feels really really good and Describing a job by actually the things that people do as opposed to the personality of the person who performs the work. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that is like, what are the actual tasks and what are the skills? Right. Yeah. I also think things like, you know, when when we're trying to eliminate bias in hiring, we frequently remove anything that would tell me about your um, background Mm -hmm. because we don't want to be biased taking names off of a job, but I think, yeah, but I don't, I don't usually take names off unless there's some, they somehow signal that, you know, what somebody's race or background is. If it's just male, female, I leave the job descriptions on if it's, and I mean, you leave the names on, I'm sorry, leave the names on the the resume resumes. I just said a sentence that didn't make any sense. But I knew exactly what you meant, friend. Whatsoever. I Thank knew exactly you so what you meant. <laughs> um, but also, yeah, maybe removing the opportunity for bias there um, in the hiring process mm-hmm. as well. Okay. The other thing, I don't even know if that's a helpful tip. Oh, no, I think it's that it's about implementing some tools, some processes that remove the opportunity for bias. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that might be running job announcements through the gender decoder. It might be going through your job descriptions with the same kind of lens. It might be when you do your evaluations, just thinking to yourself, am I, is this really about personality or is this about performance? I know lots of companies have great HR folks who are working hard on that. Yeah. And, you know, it's just another thing that we can do to create more equity at work. Yeah. And to, and I think the other thing you mentioned, um, you know, that somebody may poo-poo this. Oh, 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 yes. As political correctness. When I was thinking about this episode, I had been watching something where somebody was making fun of people who, who announced their pronouns, like political correctness. And I was so like thinking to myself, you know, someone could look at this show and say, this is just about being politically correct. Mm -hmm. And I have decided that that is bullshit. (laughs) That is a way to demean, defend and deflect Mm -hmm. from what we know is true. Like mm-hmm. there is research and data that says when you use this kind of masculine driven language, mm-hmm. you exclude the feminine mm-hmm. in all sorts of ways. Yep. So political correctness implies 
that there is no consequence other than how somebody feels about something and people should be able to manage their feelings. Yeah. Okay. Which by the way, that's BS too. But (laughs) I was also like, this is bullshit because this does matter. It has consequence and effect. So don't demean, deflect and discourage and, you know, all of the things about political correctness. Yeah. Because this is not about political correctness. This is about equality. Yeah. This is about being seen, being valued, being recognized, being having a equal part, yes. having a place. It's about the the ability of of all humans to participate fully and completely in yeah. the workplace. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. So that is what we want. That's ease, meaning, and joy, sister. Yes, it is. That is ease, meaning, and joy. So your words matter. Oh my gosh, this is going to be such a great exercise to just be thinking all the time. Hmm, Kirsten, what does that mean? What did you just say? Yeah. Exactly. And then I got to keep working on girls. I just got to keep working I know. on it. I'm I don't a, know. The jury's still out on that the for jury's her. jury's out on it for me. Not for me. I will thanks for punch listening. you in the <laughs> face if you call me a girl. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, gals. Bye. Uh, okay. We're going to take that, gals. I see it happening right now. Bye. Krina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Krina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.